Hello, and welcome to the Wonderland Exhibition Podcast with me, your host, Doug Burton. I'm an artist and educator in the creative arts. Each episode will be a short conversation with a participating artist considering their work, intentions for the show, and anything that emerges in between. The Wonderland Exhibition will take place from the 1st of July to the 5th of August 2023 at the Tremonier Sculpture Gardens in Cornwall. The exhibition shows new sculptures from the Southwest about landscape and walking from members of the Royal Society of Sculptors, with assistance from Penzance-based writer Martin Holman. Hi, Seamus Moran. It's great to meet with you today. How are you doing? I'm fine, thanks, Doug. Good to see you too. Brilliant. I uh, really am interested in talking to you as you've been a kind of a focus point for the group, the Southwest Group of the Royal Society of Sculptors with the Tremonier Show. And perhaps I wanted to start off by asking you about your relationship with Tremonier Sculpture Gardens. Um, it goes back, I think, um, you know, a few years and you have permanent works installed in the gardens. And so I suppose a, a different tact and question to start off with you is, could you say something for our audience about what that sort of relationship is and how you feel about the gardens? Right. Well, oh, I think probably the first time I ever visited Tremonier has got to be about eight years ago, maybe more than that. Um, I, I quite like going around the gardens in Cornwall anyway, you know, Treba Gardens. I'd, I'd been in a show at Treba, Glendurgan Gardens. And when I heard about Tremonier being an actual sculpture garden, I thought, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll go and see that. And uh, I absolutely loved it. Got to walk, do the walk, go and see everything there. And, and I thought it was a really good combination of the, of the plants and the sculptures. After that, I think uh, a curator, Jeff Roy Smith, was putting on a, a one-night um, exhibition on the summer solstice, and uh, I got invited to put up a couple of pieces for that. So that was the first time I ever showed anything there. And, and after that, I thought, well, I, I'd love to get in here a bit more sort of permanently. So I then began the kind of chasing Tom and Neil down to see if I could get in from the Monday Gallery, putting a good word for me as well and a bit of an introduction. So when I finally met with Neil, he could remember my work, obviously, from the the, the Solstice show that we did. And um, I presented him with a, a couple of uh, ideas that I had, thinking he would take one of them, and he liked both of them. So that, that was that with the, the permanent works up there. That's pretty much how the relationship developed. And at the time, uh, the, the, the Zoom group we were talking about, having uh, an exhibition Tremonier. That was about the time I was installing the second of my two permanent works. And I, I volunteered myself then. And I said, well, I'm talking to them at the moment. Shall I see if I can get us a slot? And it's kind of gone from there, really, a bit of a snowball-y thing. But as I'm probably the closest to Tremonier, it's about 20, 20 minutes, 25 minutes from here for me, I've kind of taken on this role of being the kind of coordinator, the the, the go-getter, um, you know, if anything needs sorting, I can just pop over there sort of thing. Uh, and that's how I've taken on this role. And it's um, it's been quite a ride, I can tell you that. It's been uh, quite interesting. Good, you know. Well, it's been, <laughs> absolutely, it's been brilliant <laughs> yeah. to have you in that role. Um, I'm wondering, how did you then feel about 
the exhibition as we started to form a theme for the show, albeit a relatively open theme in called Wonderland. And that could, um, I think the origins of that came from thinking about actually considering moving through and around sculpture, the the relationship, the sort of physical presence sculpture has with the viewer and how how and, and the maker for that matter. And and now we have this wonderland and there's different themes that have been coming out of that through these podcasts, thinking about pilgrimage and um, spirituality or walking, or it's been taken in many different ways. How did you feel about that? What was your sort of response to that sort of theme as it emerged? As it emerged, I think it first sort of propped up. We had two what we call picnic days, the first of which was very well attended. It was in May last year. We were all sitting around afterwards and nearly had given us a, a fantastic detailed tour of the place. Is absolute font of knowledge about everything there. And it, it had come up that it was on this pilgrimage route. And of course, we'd all wandered around for about two hours. Uh, and that the pilgrimage route was was quite the conversation piece about it. And the, the, I think the theme developed from that, from a pilgrimage, the idea that it would set off deliberately to walk. And I think after that, it kind of morphed into this sort of thing of the deliberate act of walking through a landscape. And, and then it sort of developed from there, really. At first, when I when I heard it, I thought, mm, walking, <laughs> you know what I mean? A bit obvious. But I realised that was just because I don't normally have to do anything that uh, is, is to a brief. Um, and once I started thinking about it, I thought, yeah, this is really actually quite good. And then I found any time after that, when I was walking anywhere, I was thinking about this. And it, it became uh, more at the, the top of my consciousness about what I was actually doing when I was walking, what I was thinking and you know, uh, and and it became very interesting. I would make notes about things, so, and personally, that's how it developed for me. And of course, it's developed for all the other artists in slightly different ways. And I think, from such a simple brief, um, we've managed to accumulate wide range of different experiences and different art pieces that are going to go into the show. And I, I think that's great. You know, I can't wait to see it all up. I think yeah. it's going to look really good. Definitely. And obviously there's there's work in the gallery space as well as um, in the gardens um, next to the gallery. Could you tell us a bit then about the work that you're going to be um, installing and, and what that what that is? I've got two pieces. I've got one outside piece and uh, I've got one indoor piece. The outside piece is a piece called Pergo Ambulare, which is Latin for keep walking. It came, it was one of the first things I thought right at the beginning as a bit of a joke, actually, because you don't have to go far on any walk before you come across somebody's memorial bench that they've obviously had relatives and friends who thought, oh, our Uncle Ernie used to love sitting there looking at the seagulls or whatever. I quite like this idea of memorial benches, but the thing about them is they're for dead people. And uh, I wanted to make a memorial bench for living people. Part of this came about because of um, oh, various reasons. You look back at a piece of work when you're doing it, and I often think it's like sifting through your own vomit. You sort of like pull out little bits and go, ooh, I don't remember eating that, you know, but there it is. And I look back at all the things that went into making this bench, and there's so many elements that went into it. One of them was um, there was a, a doctor, an American doctor, James Levine, and he said that sitting is the new cancer. And it's quite true. Americans sit for 11 hours a day on average. And the very act of sitting is, is not good for you. When I was doing this, I thought, if I make this little bench that you can't sit on, it's almost like a little embryonic bench. And it's got the words keep walking on it, which which is the... I'm not ready to sit down yet. 
And I could almost imagine that the bench will gradually grow over a person's lifetime till they drop dead, and then it will become a memorial bench. But in the meantime, keep walking. And the other things that went into that, when I think about it, was last year we celebrated my mum's 90th birthday, and um, she's quite remarkable for her age. She lives independently. And when people say to her, you know, what, what's your secret? She says, I keep walking. And it's such a positive message for people uh, not to sit down um, and to keep going. When I put the bench together, I, I was thinking at the back of my mind, how is it going to fit with Tremonier? But I think it's quite a good fit because you've got that Ian Kenner's skip of light there, you know, that beautifully polished skip. And there's um, there's another there's a shed with another shed mounted directly on top of it and things like that. So I think this sort of subversion of an everyday object to to create a statement it's in keeping with with Tremonier, whilst it's a slightly humorous statement. It's still sort of in keeping with with what's there. It went from being a bit of a joke when I first started doing it to I've really got to make this <laughs> and. Uh, so I, you know, I had the bench ends, I had the wood slats, the utility hardwood cut out and laser got with the words on. And I put it together this week and it, it, it's, you know, it, it's worked. I'm pleased with it. Yeah, that's the outside piece. Now, the inside piece is called Desire Lines. It's based on the concept. Uh, a desire line is what town planners call it when somebody doesn't take the prescribed route and goes off on their own. You get it a lot in parks, you know, when you get the paths around parks. And yet there's these worn bits where people go across the grassy areas because they can't be bothered following the, the thing around. You go where your heart tells you. And um, it's an altogether different kind of piece from uh, Berge and Bellaro because it's it's organic in the way that it, it came about. And the idea of it is, is that when you go for a walk, you're not only going from A to B to get somewhere. Your mind is putting together memories, synapses are being formed within your brain, real physical things. Memories are being made, associations with things you've seen somewhere before or somewhere else that you're reminded of on the walk. And, and this whole thing weaves itself into, in, into this sort of mass inside your head that you can't see. And what I wanted to do was to illustrate this you know, as a 3D object that, that hangs on the wall, the background of which I wanted to make look like a, a map. So it's it's like a blue grid system. So you, you have uh, this contrast between how we as humans divide up space and time into convenient chunks that we can tell each other, oh, meet you at that grid reference at such and such a time, and you know where you are, it works. But it's very rigid and, and it's, it's very organised and it's it's very cold in a way. And on top of that, you've got the walk, which actually takes you all over that landscape, but it's less rigid. It's, it's organic and it, you know, it uses the fuzzy logic of the brain to take you places, not just physically, but mentally. And, and I suppose the way I would illustrate it is I, when I take my dogs out for a walk, uh, I go to um, a woods where I got all the pieces that go into making this piece of work. And on that walk, there are so many places where it just triggers memories of, of me with my little boys. When well, they're not little now, but when they were little boys, stupid things we used to do, um, finding things there, thinking things there, and it's all stored in this sort of network of neurons that are triggered by various things as I go along. And and those neurons were connected at some point during this series of walks I've done over the years. And I've tried to actually make a sculpture to illustrate this and have it so that you can see the contrast between the grid, the map 
where you're walking and what's actually happening while you're walking, both physically and mentally. So it's kind of like a mental map, I suppose. Um, and that's how I've approached that. Um, so they're, they're two quite different pieces. And, and I was thinking there about the relationship that you're talking about between the physical and mental for actually both of the pieces. And yeah. I was thinking about how your work previous to this, the, the, the permanent installations in the gardens and I, I feel there's a kind of a link there in, in talking about the your approach to making and you almost can have a physical response to those pieces in the gardens. And, and I haven't seen the work that you've done for Tremony yet, but the way that you're describing it, do you think that sort of sense of the physical and the mental and the impact on the viewer is is something that, that you're kind of going for here? Yes, I do. Um, I look at it sometimes. Um, and, and I think that the thing that ties all of these together, even though they can be quite different pieces of work is is the clash of expectations that I I sort of work with. Uh, even even if I, it starts off and I'm not I don't go on right clash of expectations number twenty three what am I going to do? But um, say with the bench you've got something that superficially looks like a bench but it doesn't serve the functions of the bench it serves another function using a bench. Um, the the idea that this piece hanging on the wall, design lines, looks like it's made out of wood. It looks like it's grown that way. But at the same time, you look at it and you think it can't have grown that way. It's man-made, but it doesn't look man-made. So you, you've got this, um, well, at the clash of expectations, I, I would say, um, that people are slightly baffled mentally. And, and it starts to, it kicks up a thought process. I'd like to think so anyway. When people see the work, they're going, what the hell is this? You know, and um, Particularly with the the um, desire lines, I, I almost want people to feel tired looking at it. You know, is to follow the route round and and to get back where they started. You know, and think, God, I need to sit down and have a drink after that. You know, it's that's how I feel about making it because it has been a journey in itself. It, it, it feels like I've been on a walk, and I feel it reflects that in it. And yeah, this this idea that people could look at it and feel something inside as well as just the physical presence of it. I, I think that's a be a good tick to have at the end of it you know if people thought that when they walked away there's this thing more and more that's coming through about the impact of the body the person's physical state with the work you know as you say the way that you talk about the bench there is it's interesting that the bench and the the gallery piece are obviously two different things which is where you might be talking about that do i sense that clash of expectations thing as well in terms of you, the artist, and dealing with two different ways of dealing with this yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, I, I don't, although a lot of my work uses this kind of using casts of knots and bits of trees and sticking them together. That that happens to be my thing, you know, and, and I really enjoy doing it. You, you never know exactly where it's going to take you. But other things just spring into my mind, like the bench. And I think, well, why shouldn't I make that? Just because it isn't like other things I make. Um, and I've made a lot of stuff like that over the years, you know, and I just, you just get this concept and you think that would work, you know, taking these two um, seemingly conflicting elements and smashing them together and see what you get, you know. And once you get an idea like that, the idea can be in your head within seconds. And then sometimes it'll take months and months or years to do it. The the um, harness, the bird armour that was at Chichester last year, I I started that, put it down for five years, and I started it again. And it took me ages to make that. But I thought of it in about, you know, 10 seconds. I had the concept. It just sometimes they take longer to make than others. But, so I'm glad I got these two finished for the show anyway. 
And I, I don't think there should be a, a sort of a restriction or a, a, even a judgment in the mind of the viewer in terms of uh, different ways of interpreting what an artist having different ways of interpreting a particular idea. Uh, what interests me is the way that you get to that point of creating the idea and then where that sort of connects between the different works that, that you produced. And I think that that's a really interesting thing. And I'm wondering if, to a certain extent, in in doing these, how do you then take that on after, say, when when the the work is completed? And is is there elements of this? Do you think that have that will feed into your your practice as you go forwards? Is that sort of uh, something that you maybe you're not even thinking about that yet? But is because it's, it seems like you're really engaged with this, and there's a transformatory element. That we're sort of that I've actually spoken to some other artists on in these podcasts, where the process of dealing with Wonderland itself is kind of created a sort of a transformatory aspect. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I think the entire experience of doing this um, has has changed slightly my direction in, in how um, I, I, I've made these pieces, particularly design lines. <laughs> A lot of the things I did in that style in the past have always been very symmetrical, uh, and you start in the centre and build out, and that can be symmetrical about both ways, rotationally symmetrical, whatever. But I've always tended to go for symmetry, and I sometimes think, am I just being lazy here? So if something works on that side, just flip it over and repeat it, you know. But it's so easy to do, and it gets you great results. So it's much more difficult, I feel, to achieve balance and a visual balance with something which isn't symmetrical. And um, I found that's been the main challenge with making desire lines was to have this completely organic thing on top of a completely symmetrical um, grid uh, and have it working on two levels. And the idea of now working on two levels, and I I had some help with making that grid, uh, and a fellow artist, Tom Leeper, welded that up for me, and I've had it you know, I've had to have it powder coated and, and it's introduced me to slightly different areas uh, of working. It, you know, when you have parameters that you've got to fit into, that does affect the way that the work is produced, whether you like it or not, you know. And it, to me, it's been a very positive effect, I think, definitely. And and I will be carrying on some of the things that uh, I've discovered along the way in making the work uh, become part of my my practice for um, you know, future works. And it's changed my way of thinking a little bit in a different way that will stay with me now. Uh, and I definitely think that doing this show, uh, it has had its influences on me. Brilliant. Well, look, I think it's, it sounds for all the artists that have been involved, it's, we're, we're obviously this has partly come out of a, a pandemic group um, that, that we've sort of met and developed uh, you've had a Chichester show. We're doing this Wonderland show in Germany. So I think there's so many positive aspects about creativity and building on that. that I'm really looking forward to seeing what everybody's done, but in particular your work in the way that you described it here. So thank you for meeting with me today and talking about it. Oh, it's been a pleasure, Doug. Thank you for doing all these um, podcasts. So they've been really interesting to listen to, and uh, I look forward to hearing from the other artists. Brilliant. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Wonderland Exhibition Podcast. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please click subscribe. You can learn more about the artists in this exhibition through social media, their websites and online at the Royal Society of Sculptors.